Week 12 is in the books, and it, the playoff picture is looking crazy on both sides. AFC, obviously a little bit weaker. NFC is nuts. They're probably going to have maybe like a 10-5 and team that doesn't make the playoffs, while the AFC might have somebody that's 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven that makes the playoffs. So let's go ahead and do the Week 12 recap, and then I have a little something that I want to talk about. Let's do it. I want to start off by saying that I apologize for my voice. My sinuses are draining and all that whatnot. It's nasty. But uh, yeah, so let's start with the Bills and the Chiefs. Bills end up winning uh, 16 to 10. And this is exactly what I was saying in my last podcast. Sean McDermott's decision to bench Tyrod Taylor against the Chargers looks even worse now. You have the Bills that are sitting at 6-5. and five. You have the Ravens who just won last night and are sitting at 6-5. and five. The Ravens have the 6th seed right now and push the Bills out of that 6th seed. But if uh, McDermott would have kept Tyrod in against the Chargers, who knows what would have happened. And they very easily could have been sitting at 7-4 and four with a uh, game space or gap between the Ravens and sitting pretty in the playoff picture. But instead, they are on the outside looking in at the seventh seed with the same record as the Ravens. I have to give praise to Tyrod Taylor because he responds to that benching the very next game. He takes his uh, touchdown to interception ratio to 12 touchdowns, three interceptions. He beats the six and four Chiefs, possibly saves McDermott's job, and he does all of this even with Shady McCoy posting a 2.2 yards per carry average. The Chiefs are in a bit of a tailspin. I don't know what's going on. Uh, the run game has shut down big time. Uh, Kareem Hunt had a 1.1 yards per carry average in this game. Alex Smith, we've known this. He's a quarterback. He can't put the entire team on his back and win like Brady can. So I don't know what's going to happen, but they started out 5-0 and and now they're sitting at 6-5. and So something needs to happen. But I think the, uh, the thing that's probably going to end up happening is Patrick Mahomes is probably going to end up starting at some point if the Chiefs can't figure things out quick. Next, we move on to the Titans and the Colts. Titans end up winning 20-16. The Titans, their run game, if they can get that going early, they have a chance against anybody. They need that to overshadow their subpar defense and the mediocre kind of play that uh, Marcus Mariota has been uh, showing lately. But that's the thing is they have a well-established run game. So if they can get that going and at least get one of the two things fixed between Marcus Mariota and the defense, they have a real shot to do something in the playoffs. Right now, believe it or not, they're sitting at the three seed, and uh, they hold the tiebreaker with Jacksonville for their division. So uh, they're sitting in a pretty good spot and kind of control their own destiny as far as uh, what seed they're going to be. On to the Patriots and Dolphins. Tom Brady is yet again the MVP. Carson Wentz is right behind him, but Brady's sitting on 26 touchdowns and three interceptions with... Four of those touchdowns coming from this past Dolphins game and a 111 passer rating. I understand that he gets it all the time and people try to say that just because he's Tom Brady he gets it. No, it's because he puts up these video game stats and has incredible efficiency 
year after year, and we shouldn't uh, fault him for that. He's the leader in the MVP uh, case right now, and then Carson Wentz is right behind him. Next, on to the Panthers and the Jets. Panthers end up winning 35-27, to and the Panthers are sitting at 8-3, and and believe it or not, they are fighting for their playoff hopes every single week, which is nuts. But the NFC is just that strong to where an 8-3 team is really fighting for their life. The good news for the Panthers, though, is Devin Funches is playing at a very high level. He's stepping in directly where Kelvin Benjamin was and doing even better. Uh, Cam Newton, he's still not doing anything fantastic through the air. Obviously, on the ground, he's doing great, but uh, the Panthers' defense is also incredible, so they have that going for him as well. Um, the Jets, you know, the only thing that I see that's been proven with the Jets is that Josh McCown is the greatest QB traveler ever. I don't know how he puts up these stats with these garbage teams, but he put up 300 yards passing and three touchdowns on, like I said, a very good Carolina defense. And that also has in part to do with Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson playing at such a high level. I believe he's a second year receiver. But uh, yeah, Josh McCown, the stuff that he does is incredible. Next, we have the Eagles and the Bears. Eagles end up winning the game 31-3. The Eagles, to me, are the Pennsylvania team that Pittsburgh should be. They dominate on defense with scoring potential with every turnover. They have incredible talent at all the positions. And Doug Peterson should be at least in the top three for Coach of the Year. The difference between the Eagles and Pittsburgh is that when the Eagles play a bad team, they dominate them. When Pittsburgh plays a bad team, somehow they end up winning 31 to 28 to Brett Hundley and the Packers. But that's the difference between the Eagles and Pittsburgh is that the Eagles dominate teams that they should dominate as well as very good teams. Now on the side of the Bears, I've been saying since the draft day trade happened and they picked Trubisky that they made a mistake in taking Trubisky and that they made a mistake in giving all that away for him. Trubisky right now has four touchdown passes, four interceptions. That's that's his stats for the season. So the Bears are feeling the karma from that ridiculous draft day trade that they gave the 49ers their third overall pick. This is in 2017 in the draft. Their second and third round picks in that same draft and a third round pick in the upcoming 2018 draft. So they gave all of that up for four touchdowns and four interceptions through week 12. So next up is the Seahawks and 49ers. Seahawks end up winning that game 24 to 13. Russell Wilson, once again, and pretty much literally, carried the Seahawks against a poor 49ers team that admittedly played pretty tough. The problems with the Seahawks is that Russell Wilson is their most productive rusher, and this included a touchdown run in this game, but something that it also proved is that the Legion of Boom and him need each other. It's not an exclusive thing. It's not like the Legion of Boom made Russell Wilson or Russell Wilson made them. They have to coexist together, and that's the bad thing with Seattle is they just got Earl Thomas back, 
but they already have lost Richard Sherman, and as of just recently, now they're losing Cam Chancellor for the season. So I can very well see the Seahawks making the playoffs, but as far as making any noise in there, I just don't see it. I don't see it without having the Legion of Boom, or at least two-thirds, maybe two-fourths of it, but they don't. And Jimmy G on the 49ers side of this coin, he did in one minute what CJ could not do the entire game. CJ Bethard being the 49ers uh, quarterback at the time. There was one minute and three seconds left and Jimmy G led the 49ers to their only touchdown. Now, the sad thing is that this might be the start of the Jimmy Garoppolo era in the, uh, in San Francisco, which is exciting, but at the same time, they have nothing to play for now. So, you know, what can you really take away from these games? And next we move on to the Rams and the Saints. The Rams end up winning the game 26 to 20. And I'd probably have to say for week 12, this was probably the best game. The Rams and the Saints are both extremely potent offensive teams, and their defenses have came into their own. Uh, the Rams answered a question that everybody had about them. Were they going to be able to go up to some of these more experienced teams or veteran teams like the Saints led by Drew Brees, and are they going to be able to take them out? And they did. Sammy Watkins is finally coming to his own. Uh, he's getting, I don't know if him and Goff are maybe getting a better understanding of each other. Whatever it is, it's happening at the perfect time. Uh, they are without Robert Woods, who was kind of their number one receiver there for a little while. And uh, I believe they also lost Josh Reynolds, who is a rookie out of A&M. I don't know if it's a serious injury or if he's just going to be out for a little while, but regardless, he's definitely going to be missed. He's made some good plays in the past two games, including this one, so hopefully they can get him back soon. If their defense can cement themselves and start to create uh, some more turnovers, the Rams really could be the NFC representative in the Super Bowl, but statistically they haven't been the greatest defense but uh with wade phillips there i feel like they have the perfect amount of experience and talent to really make some noise in the playoffs the saints believe it or not have been kind of sparked or led by their youth and that's crazy to say with the saints because they have completely missed the mark on the past like three or four drafts but with this one they picked up alvin kamara who is pretty much a budding star he is going to be pro bowl all-star kind of uh player and he has the versatility of Le'Veon bell he's incredible he he leads the saints in rushing and receiving now who does that sound like to you Le'Veon bell something that he would do uh the defense as far as that goes they are playing much better than the saints defenses of the past two or three years which have been historically bad, but they have young stars on the defense as well, like Von Bell, who's in his second year, and somebody that they don't have at the moment, but has been having a great season, Marshawn Lattimore. He should be coming back at some point, so that'll be great for them. And like I said, these young stars are really sparking the Saints in this run that they've had. 
uh, you throw in Cam Jordan, the veteran on that defense who's having a fantastic season as well, and an incredible pass rusher, and the Saints have a Super Bowl quality team, especially since this defense is causing turnovers and creating more opportunities for Drew Brees and that high-powered offense to score even more. And the next game up is Arizona versus Jacksonville. The Cardinals actually ended up taking this game 27 to 24. And this is just kind of Jacksonville finally realizing that they're not going to be going anywhere with Blake Bortles at their quarterback. And when you get outgunned by Blaine Gabbert, you're pretty much like required to retire. So Jacksonville is going to have to try and make this playoff run with Blake Bortles. Uh, he got the work done with his legs, but that's the thing is that it, it, that's not going to be frequent enough for them to actually make some noise in the playoffs. That's the sad part because Jacksonville's defense is actually a very, very good and young and talented defense. And they even get, you know, turnovers and give the offense plenty of opportunities. And they even score for the offense. So, uh, yeah, teams are going to be able to load the box and keep Fournette in check because Blake Bortles can't really do any damage through the air, so they're not worried about it. So before Jacksonville can be a serious threat, they need to figure out what's going on with Blake Bortles, get it fixed. If they can do that with Leonard Fournette in that fantastic defense, they really could do something. Next up is the Raiders and the Broncos. Raiders end up taking this 21-14. This was a huge win for the Raiders because they're now only one game back from Kansas City. Uh, Derek Carr looked good even without uh, Crabtree and part of the game without Cooper. But the biggest thing is with the Broncos, I don't understand how John Elway, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, has no idea what he's doing at the quarterback position. I mean, he has Brock Osweiler, he has Paxton Lynch, and he has Simeon. And none of them have really panned out this season. I don't know how it happened, but the only success that John Elway has had at quarterback is when he had an already established and Hall of Fame worthy quarterback in Peyton Manning. And of course, the side story from this game, Akib Tlaib and Michael Crabtree getting into a fight yet again, and Akib Tlaib snatching Michael Crabtree's chain again, which they even said that Crabtree taped it to him because he knew that he was going to be going up against Aqib Tlaib. But the one thing about this in fights in the NFL and stuff like that, why would you take your helmet off at any point? So I think in this, obviously, Aqib Tlaib won because he kept his helmet on and snatched Crabtree's chain. So the win goes to Aqib Tlaib. And we are on to the Sunday night game, which was the Steelers and the Packers. Steelers take the game 31-28. First things first, the Steelers putting up 31 points is exactly what they should be doing. And in the last podcast, I talked about how they put 40 on Tennessee and that I'd like to see them do the same. And they did. Putting up 31 points against any NFL team is great. They had a fantastic game by uh, Antonio Brown. A couple touchdowns, about 160, I think, in receiving yards. Ben had a very good game as well, and beautiful placement with some of those passes. Like uh, that one on the sideline that Antonio Brown snatched. That was beautiful. And they did all of this 
without Juju Smith-Schuster playing at all. They had a slow game from Le'Veon Bell, and in saying that, a slow game for Bell, he still resulted in 180 yards from scrimmage, so that's not too bad. But they let Brett Hundley throw all over him and let them let him expose their secondary. So in saying that, they either need to hurry up and get Joe Hayden back as soon as possible, or that pass rush for the Steelers has to be elite and beyond from here on out because that secondary has been getting exposed over and over. And if that keeps happening with the inconsistency with the offense, you have no idea what's going to happen from day in and day out or week to week. And finally, the Monday night game, the Ravens and Texans. Ravens take this game 23-16. And the Ravens have a Super Bowl caliber defense paired with a mediocre at best offense. And they pretty much resemble exactly what the Jacksonville Jaguars are. Alex Collins is turning into a beast at the running back position and somebody that he could actually be the long-term solution in that backfield. But you pair that with the fact that Flacco is having a god-awful season. The receivers are not producing in any way whatsoever. So it's dragging down that offense big time. This is a Ravens defense that has pitched three shutouts in 10 games. And the Ravens are still sitting at 6-5, and five, clawing on to the 6th seed. So that should tell you just how bad this offense is. And as far as the Texans, it's a sad story in Houston because they've been decimated by injuries this whole season. J.J. Watt getting hurt again. Deshaun Watson uh, getting hurt. And they have had some injuries to their secondary as well. But everybody in the AFC lucked out that the Texans got these injuries because the Texans would have been a very good team and I actually probably would have put them up against the Patriots in the AFC Championship if they would have been able to stay healthy. And that is going to do it for the week 12 recap. I'm going to put out another podcast dealing with uh, a discussion with the Steelers and it kind of got sparked by some idiot on Twitter. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be putting that out a little bit later. And uh, thank you for tuning in. And I'm going to try and uh, keep these pretty consistent and hopefully have one out after the Thursday night game, probably around Friday afternoon. So thanks for listening.